try that one again. You ready? Hi. Good to see you. Great to be here. Here we are uh, gathered together to celebrate our great God and connect with each other. And it's a great, great, great day to do that. So there are, um, there are a lot of people who think that Christians or Christianity is for wimps for people who can't handle life, for people who can't make it. And so what we do is we create this pie in the sky in the sweet by and by and kind of believe that if we have that there, then we're going to be able to make it through life. We don't face reality. We're not the kind of people who can handle it. And uh, so that's what they believe that a lot, a lot of people believe that Christians are all about. I actually think it's the opposite. I actually think that Christians are people that face reality. In fact, I think a lot of people bail on Christianity because the bar is so high. And we've been talking about that in this series called You Can Learn to Fight Right. We've been talking about those issues that are really hard issues to live with and to play out and to ex exhibit, exhibit in our lives, right? We've talked about judging other people and how the tendency is for us to judge a person on the basis of their appearance. We don't necessarily have all the facts or we'll think we know what their motives are and we realize that, that Jesus speaks against that and we need to be really careful how we look at people and evaluate people and label people. That's a challenge. We talk about confrontation and how we need to speak to people sometimes. We need to confront people about their behaviors, their beliefs, their attitudes. And that's a tough thing to do. And we said that one of the things that matters most is for us to understand that confrontation, healthy confrontation, is a gift. And if we can see it as a gift and offer it as a gift, wrap it as a gift, deliver it as a gift, or if we're receiving confrontation, if we can see it as a gift and receive it that way, that it can help us become healthier people. Judging, confrontation. Last week, we looked at repentance. The ability the, to admit that we're wrong, to confess our sin, to agree with God about our sin in our lives, to see relational distance and say, I need to repent, I need to say I'm sorry to this person, confess. That's a big deal thing. I think it's a tough thing. But today, we're going to talk about what I think is the most difficult of all. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And forgiveness, by its very nature, is one of the most difficult things to do in relationship. You know, sometimes our lives are like riding one of those bumper cars at the ferry. You know, you keep it banging into people and bouncing off of people. And we need to express forgiveness and we need to receive forgiveness. And it's a really tough thing to do. And Jesus spends some time talking about this a lot. What I'd like to do is I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. I'm not going to put the words up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. And I'm going to read it from the New International Version. And in this particular confrontation or a story that Jesus tells to his disciples about forgiveness, there are some things that you will see that are really kind of hard to wrap your head around. It will feel perhaps outrageous, challenging. Are you really saying that, Jesus? And so here, let me read this to you, um, this passage from the words of Jesus, from Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter, one of the disciples, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So you know right away Peter's having some struggles around forgiveness. And it may even be one of the disciples who's listening to him ask the question and knows that they're the one, right? And he's saying to them, you know, how many times do I, you know, kind of forgive them? You know, like seven times and then I'm done? And then he's in trouble? Is that what I do, Jesus? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. Oh, good. But 77 times. Or some translations read, 70 times 7, which is 490 times, and some scholars believe it's 490 times in a day. Wow, that's crazy, right? 
Therefore, and now Jesus tells them a story, okay, to try and understand this whole idea of forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So he's dealing with the financial relationship he has with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, let me just tell you this. This is an exaggeration. This is bigger than the economy of some countries, okay? This guy owes a whack a bucks to the king. Just so you understand that. Since he was not able to pay, couldn't pay it all back, really too big, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And of course, his wife, his children, and all that he had would not pay for the debt. But that's what was being asked here, okay? At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. No, you can't pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow, pretty crazy good, right? Well, here's what happens. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, which is not very much. He grabbed him, began to choke him, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. And he could pay him back, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Which again, doesn't make sense, but that's the way the story goes, right? This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And you read this and you go, bam, wow, this is crazy. This is outrageous. How do you feel about forgiving now? And maybe as I read this, or maybe when you knew we were talking about forgiving today, there's someone whose picture shows up on the wall of your mind, and you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, he's going to talk about forgiveness. What else can we do this morning besides show up at church? But here you are, now I got you. And you're thinking to yourself, now, this, this is crazy, and this is wild, and this is just off the charts. Maybe someone lied to you, and that hurt you tremendously, or stole from you, or maybe somebody physically abused you, sexually abused you, emotionally abused you. Maybe it's someone who violated your relationship in some way. And Jesus' call here on us is to forgive. And it just seems radical and outside the norm. It seems countercultural, counterintuitive. Really? This is what you're asking me to do, Jesus? This is why I've said before that I think following Jesus, the bar is really high, and it's a challenge for us. Associate Press reporter Terry Anderson was captured in Lebanon by a radical fundamentalist religious group, and he was put in isolation and tortured for seven years. For seven years, he was, in, he was abused in every way you can imagine, and he had, for seven years, he did not see his wife. For seven years, he did not see his daughter as she grew up. And finally, one day, they, these, this radical group released him, don't know why, and he flew home, and when he landed at the airport, there were all these reporters, and they're asking him all kinds of questions. What was it like? How did you survive? All that loneliness, that incessant gnawing loneliness that you went through. 
the pain that you experienced, the isolation? How did you handle all that? And then one guy said to him, have you forgiven your captors? And it was kind of like the question that sort of silenced the room. And it's that crazy question, forgive them? Really? Is that what I should do? Jesus talks about this word called forgiveness. And forgiveness is so critical. The Bible spends a lot of time on this area in our lives. And we need to learn a little bit about it, right? What exactly is Jesus calling us to do? What exactly is forgiveness like? And why should we pursue it? So let me just define forgiveness this morning. I'm going to define it in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, here's what I need to begin by saying this to you. Forgiveness is a choice. Can you say that with me? Forgiveness is a choice. You, when you're hurt, you have a choice to do one of three things, only one of three things. Every time someone hurts you in a way that you just can't let it go, you've got one of three things that you can do with that hurt. Number one, you can deny it happened. You can just live in denial. You stuff it down inside, you bury it, you live with it in here. You live with that poison inside of yourself. It's not a good response to being hurt, right? And yet there are many people who perhaps hurt as a child or they've been hurt as an adult in a whole bunch of different kinds of ways who then have lived with this denial. Oh, it's, it, I, I must be a terrible person or I deserved it. And they stuff it down inside and it is poisoning them. And that's not what God is wanting you to do. The first response to being hurt is to just live in denial over it. And that's not a good response. The second option, the second choice is vengeance. Now, vengeance is I'm going to get them back. And here's the thing about vengeance. Generally speaking, it looks like this. At least it looks like this when I do it. It is I want to get this person back. I want them to feel as much pain as I felt or more. I wouldn't mind a little more. But I want them also to know that the reason they're experiencing that pain is because of what they did to me. That's what vengeance is like. It's all wrapped around that sort of understanding. And in our culture... In our culture, we tend to have our heroes, many of our heroes are vengeance people, our Rambos, our diehards, our whatever they might be, even our princess brides. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die, right? I mean, the whole thing is, I wasn't, I'm sorry, my Spanish side's not that good. But you know that whole mindset right around that? And that's how we live. And our, most of our action movies are all about vengeance, getting things back again. And our culture speaks that way. That's how we're wired. I, there's a, a business out there that will help you get vengeance on someone who hurt you. They'll do it anonymously. If you give them money, they'll send that person dead flowers or a dead fish that's been dead for a while. In fact, at one time, there was a plane flying over a city that had this written on it. Get even with your enemy. Send them a cow chip by mail. Call one 800 cow chip okay you want that number again it's 1-800 cow chip um and, and you can sort of see this happening right i mean this is how our culture is wired this is how we think denial vengeance or the third option is forgiveness now when i say it that way you start to go oh boy maybe there's maybe this is a good thing maybe this is something i should pursue because really those are your choices and you know that right now as i'm telling you right denial vengeance or forgiveness. And God wants us to what? To choose what? To choose forgiveness, right? That's really what he's longing for us to do. The king forgave that huge debt. The king in the story is God, right? Huge debt forgiven. God forgives. Jesus is saying, I forgive. And he's calling on those of us who are followers of his to do what? To forgive. 
So my reflex reaction as a follower of Jesus, as the Spirit of God speaks to me, he's saying to me, don't go into denial. Don't go to vengeance. Pursue forgiveness. Pursue forgiveness. But the thing is that forgiveness is like outrageous. Would you say that? It's almost scandalous. This whole idea that I should forgive. A child is molested. Forgive? A woman is raped. Forgive? Somebody embezzled money and my company went under. Forgive? A drunk driver kills someone. Forgive? Someone gossiped about me, destroyed my relationship. Forgive? And the thing is that forgiveness is the responsibility of the person who's been hurt. So you hurt me. I'm the innocent party. You hurt me. And now I have this huge burden that you've put on me that I'm supposed to forgive you. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. But I don't want to go to denial, and I don't want to go to vengeance. So here I am stuck with this. It just seems crazy, right? And if you think of the word forgiveness, right smack dab in the middle of that word is the word give. Yeah, I'd like to give them something, right? But what is it I'm supposed to give them? Forgiveness. Grace. Responding that way just seems outrageous. The Greek word for forgive means to release, to hurl away, to free yourself. To forgive is a decision to not seek personal payment for a deliberate hurt caused me by another person or persons. It just seems crazy, doesn't it? It seems outrageous. Elizabeth Connor writes this. She says, despite a hundred sermons on forgiveness, we do not forgive easily, nor find ourselves easily forgiven. Forgiveness, we discover, is always harder than the sermons make it out to be. Now, please understand that when we're talking about forgiveness here, we're not talking about abandoning justice. In some, nor are we talking about ignoring what happened when we're talking about forgiveness. On the scale of forgiveness, there is sometimes what we call the let it go things that happen, right? I mean, you just let it go. It wasn't that big a deal. The person really didn't intend to hurt you deeply. You just learn to let it go. I had um. I went to school in the States for a while, and I have a good friend in the States, and he came to Canada uh, when we were, I was still in school, and we went roller skating, and he wasn't very good at it. Um, but we were roller skating, he was bumping into all these people, and after, after he got done roller skating, he, sa he said to me, you Canadians, you keep saying sorry. He goes, sorry. People would bump into me, they go, sorry. I've never heard sorry. I'm, I'm going to say sorry all the time. So he started saying sorry all the time. That's one of those let it go sort of things, right? And, and, and the mature person learns that category in a healthy kind of way and is able, because of their walk with God, to be able to say, I'm going to let that one go. I'm just going to let it go. And it doesn't register on us, right? But then there are the more difficult ones. And when we're talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about saying, well, I shouldn't call the police then. No. Sometimes you should be calling the police. And sometimes you should be confronting that person. And sometimes you should be seeking repentance. All of that is part and parcel of forgiveness. It's not a get away, get out of jail free card, right? That's not what forgiveness is. But understand, understand the fullness of what that means. See, as I studied this whole forgiveness thing, even when I want that vengeance to happen, and I want that person to feel the pain that I'm feeling, or more than the pain that I'm feeling, and know the pain they're feeling, they're feeling because of what they did to me, it still never satisfies. There's still something missing on the inside that we're feeling at that particular point. 
Getting even doesn't make life fairer because it's really impossible to make life fair. So understand that reality. Forgiveness is a choice. It's outrageous, but it's also commanded. It's commanded. God commands us to forgive, which means that I don't wait for the person to say I'm sorry. I don't wait for the person to repent. I don't wait for the person to change. I don't wait for any of that sort of thing. My forgiveness is not dependent on the other person's actions or attitudes. My forgiveness is dependent on my relationship with God and on my own attitude and action of choice. I don't wait for anything. Paul writes this, forgive each other as readily as God forgave you in Christ. How did God forgive me in Christ? He went to the cross and took my sin on himself, right? Enabling me to be forgiven and have a right relationship with God. This is just so important. You remember when Jesus is on the cross and he's hanging on the cross, he's dying for our sin, that he says, Father, forgive them. Now, none of the soldiers said, I'm sorry, Jesus. None of the soldiers changed their lives, made a big turnaround in their life. None of them repented. None of them did anything like that. What does Jesus do? He forgives them anyway. Forgiveness is not dependent on how that other person responds. And that's an important thing to understand. Because if my forgiveness is dependent on that person saying I'm sorry, or that person changing their lifestyle, or doing something else that I'm looking for, then I become a slave to them. I'm now owned by them. I can't repent until they act in a certain way or say something certain. That's not the way forgiveness works. Forgiveness is completely in my control. It's not dependent on how someone else acts. Fourth, forgiveness is acknowledging the hurt. Please understand that when we talk about forgiveness and Scripture talks about it, it's not denying the hurt that was caused. In the story Jesus tells us, the man owed 10,000 bags of gold. Like, it was, there was an acknowledgement that he had done something wrong, that he was in trouble, that he needed forgiving. We're not saying when we talk about forgiveness, suck it up, get tough, don't wimp out, quit being such a baby, get thicker skin, grow up, be an adult. We're not saying that at all. We're not saying that forgiveness is no big deal. It is a big deal. It is very hard. It is very difficult. We need to forgive. Forgiveness means what happened was a big deal. Don't minimize the hurt. Don't deny the hurt. When you're forgiving, you're not doing that at all. You're admitting, I've been hurt. And the only way I can handle this is the, I, I'm not going to go denial. I'm not going to go vengeance. I'm going to forgive. It's a recognition that you've been hurt big enough that it requires this outrageous thing called forgiveness. Fifth, not only is it a choice, outrageous, commanded, acknowledging hurt, but it's a process or a process. I'm not sure which, but you understand where I'm going with that one, right? And often it takes a lot of hard work. My emotions come back. You know, I stop pulling on the rope, but the bell keeps ringing, right? And my emotions are there, and I feel that. And I, I mean, that happens to me. It happened to me this week, driving in my truck here, and my brain drifted to somebody who had hurt me, and I started to go, oh, and then I went, mm, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Thoughts come back. Forgiveness is rarely easy, rarely completely satisfying. Nagging injustices remain. And the wounds can still cause that pain. We can still feel them. Sometimes I get picking at the scab, rub it a little bit to get it to bleed, and it makes me feel good, you know, when I get angry at that person. And then I realize I shouldn't be doing that. 
I should be trusting God in this thing. I should be forgiving. Henry Nouwen wrote these words. I want to read them to you. I've often said I forgive you, but even as I said these words, my heart remained angry or resentful. I still wanted to hear the story that tells me that I was right after all. I still wanted to hear apologies and excuses. I still wanted the satisfaction of receiving some praise in return, even if only the praise for being so forgiving. But God's forgiveness is unconditional. It comes from a heart that does not demand anything for itself, a heart that is completely empty of self-seeking. It is this divine forgiveness that I have to practice in my daily life. It calls me to step to keep stepping over all my arguments that say forgiveness is unwise, unhealthy, and impractical. It challenges me to step over all my needs for gratitude and compliments. Finally, it demands of me that I step over that wounded part of my heart that feels hurt and wronged and that wants to stay in control and put a few conditions between me and the one whom I'm asked to forgive. It's a process. It takes time. And I'm not. sometimes in our lives we're going to constantly be struggling with it but we need to go move in that direction, right? It's also an act of faith. It's an act of faith. And here's what I'm really doing. Do I believe that God's way of handling this hurt is the best way? Do I believe that? Proverbs writes, don't take it on yourself to repay a wrong. Trust in the Lord and he will make it right. So I'm gonna trust in the Lord in this situation that forgiving is what I need to do and I'm going to leave what I need to leave with him, with him. Again, I mentioned it may need to require police intervention. It may be that I don't experience reconciliation with that person anymore. All of that may be part and parcel of it. But I need to still, in the middle of it all, trust God that not only is forgiveness the right thing to do, but ultimately God is going to take care of it. I don't know what that might look like. It might be during my lifetime. It might not be. But I'm going to trust him in the middle of that whole thing. We need to let it go into God's hands. And this can be very, very difficult. But it's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? Forgiveness is also healing. It's healing. If you don't forgive, that leads to bitterness, heartbreak, and blues. Louis Smedes wrote this. He said, forgiveness is the only way to heal the hurt that you never deserved. It is healing. Job says these words, some men stay healthy until the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts, with bitter hearts. David Augsburger says that uh, unforgiveness is like taking a shotgun and pointing it at yourself and pulling the trigger so that you can hurt the other person with the recoil. That's what you're doing to yourself. If you don't deal with forgiveness, you will drift into denial or vengeance. And both of those are terrible things to allow to grip our hearts. Lewis, Lewis Smedes writes these words. He says, but you are not thinking clearly when you refuse to forgive on grounds that you would not, it would not be fair to you. Forgiving is the only way to be fair to yourself. Getting even is a loser's game. It is the ultimate frustration because it leaves you with more pain than you got in the first place. The only way to heal the pain that will not heal itself is to forgive the person who hurt you, okay? Forgiving stops the reruns of pain. When you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, but you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. Wow. 
Forgiveness is a choice, outrageous, commanded, acknowledging hurt, a process, an act of faith, healing, and it's about you, and it's about me, and it's about God. Every time I get hurt by something, it's not a duet. As a follower of Jesus, it's a trio. God is involved as well. And God, I need to keep God in mind. I need to see him. You remember at the end of the passage that I read, it says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What do you mean, God, you're going to treat me how? You're going to throw me in jail? Well, no, 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 you actually drift into jail. This is a, this is a tough thing to, to hear here, but it, he's not saying if you don't forgive, I'm not, if, if you don't forgive your enemy, I'm not going to forgive you. That would violate everything that's else, elsewhere in scripture. And then God would be saying, I'm not going to forgive you unless you forgive. And that would violate what we've already looked at as well. What he's really saying here, I believe, is if you don't forgive, you're putting yourself in a prison. If you don't forgive, it has an a, a, a connection between me and you as well. Not only is this happening, but this is happening. And while I'm, you're still, I'm still your father and I'm still, you're still my child, there's a fellowship break that happens because you don't understand all that I did to forgive you in the first place. If you really understood all of the forgiveness that took place when Jesus went to the cross, you would respond out of that by being a big forgiver yourself. And often, and this is where the story comes in, that man who was forgiven of the 10,000 bags didn't really understand the 10,000 bags of gold didn't really understand all the forgiveness that had been given to him, didn't receive it like he should have. That's why he went after that other servant. If he had really understood his own freedom and experience of forgiveness, he would have naturally forgiven the man who owned him a little. So we who are followers, those of us who are followers of Jesus, need to embrace the full forgiveness we have in Christ. And out of that, when we understand it, it should naturally want us motivate us, move us to forgive because we know all he's done for us. The person who has trouble forgiving is the person who doesn't understand the forgiveness that they have in Christ. It's modeled by God as well. We already looked at this idea already, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiven people, forgive. Forgiven people, forgive. And maybe you're having a tough time forgiven, be, forgiving someone else because you don't feel forgiven. Maybe you don't realize all that God has done for you in taking care of your sin. If you can understand the full forgiveness that he has given us on the cross through Jesus, then the natural response will be, as I've already mentioned, to forgive. But if I don't feel forgiven, I'm going to have a tough time forgiving others. If I don't feel forgiven, I don't want you to feel forgiven. If I don't feel grace I am going to have a tough time extending grace to you. If I don't feel set free from the things I've done wrong, I certainly don't want you to feel free from the things that you have done wrong. But to know God's forgiveness drives us towards being forgivers ourselves. So, forgiveness is a choice, outrageous, commanded, acknowledging hurt, a process, an act of faith, healing, about you, me, and God. It's modeled by God, and it is possible. Can you say that word possible with me already? Possible. It's possible. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, we read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'm a basketball fan, and I believe that during the interview time back in October, there's a question that was asked, who's your favorite basketball player? And I said my favorite basketball player was, anybody remember? Steph Curry, okay? Those of you who don't know basketball, you need to get a life, okay? I just want to <laughs> say that to you. 
So I tell you about Steph Curry, a little story about Steph Curry. So Steph Curry is one that has won the most valuable player a couple of times in a row. He's really an amazing. He's messed up the game of basketball because he can hit three-pointers, which are better than two-pointers for those of you who don't know. Anyway, um, uh, so Steph Curry starts playing the game of basketball, and um, some people wanted to endorse him. And I believe, I'm going to try and get the story right, but I believe he went to Nike. Nike wanted to meet with him, so they met with him and his dad in a hotel room. And the guy walked in the door, and his name's Steph Curry. The guy walks in the door and calls him Stephen, which is not a good thing to do when you're trying to sign a guy, guy to, an, to, you know, to your company. And um, so, so they talk back and forth, and Steph says to, the, uh, to this guy, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in signing with Nike, but I want Philippians 4.13 on my shoes. I want the reference on my shoes or a statement from out of Philippians 4.13 on my shoes. I have a pair of Steph Curry's at home. I should have worn them today. And they say on the back, I can do all things. Okay, so they're on my, my Steph Curry shoes, just to let you know uh, who I hang out with. Anyway, so this guy says to him, uh, the guy, the, anyway, they get talking with this guy, and the guy goes, no, I don't think we can do that, but we will offer you $2 million a year if you'll sign our, sign our little thing. So they, the meeting ended, and Steph and his dad said, no, nah, I don't want to go with, with Nike if they're not going to let me put Philippians 4.13 on my shoes, and there are some other reasons. I don't want that. So a little fledgling company at that time by the name of Under Armour decided to sign to meet with Steph Curry, and they met with him, and they said to him, hey, uh, would you, we'd love to have you endorse our product. Would you be willing to do that? And he says, as long as you will get to put Philippians 4.13 on my shoes. And they go, not a problem. We'll make it happen. He has earned Under Armour and I, the number, like a billion dollars. Like it's been unbelievable what his endorsement has done for that company. Now, I love Steph Curry. He's a great player. But I want to say this to him. Philippians 4.13 has nothing to do with basketball, okay? Not a thing. God is not helping you put a three-pointer in the basket or become the MVP. At, at least that's not what the verse means. But the verse is talking to us about forgiveness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can confront wisely, judge wisely, repent well. I can forgive. I can. Why? Because I have a Savior who's a forgiver. And I have a Savior whose spirit lives inside of me. And he's pulling me and pushing me towards that. And you've heard stories, you've seen stories, right? On the news of how followers of Jesus have forgiven the most outrageous act. And you go, how on earth can you do that? Was it a process? Absolutely it was. Did they struggle with it? For sure. They're humans. But what are they doing? They're saying to God, help me, help me. I know you forgave me, and I, I'm so thankful for that. And out of that, I want to forgive, and I believe I can do this through you. I believe that's what your spirit longs for me to experience in my life. And I don't want to go to denial, and I don't want to go to vengeance. I want to be a forgiver, God, and it's hard, and the bell keeps ringing when I stop pulling the rope, and it comes up every once in a while, but I am going to come back to you again and again and say, help me, help me, help me. And I believe that you will help me to be the kind of person who's acting in a way that's forgiving, who's trusting in you to be the ultimate forgiver in my life, and I want to do it for your glory and for my good. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you for this incredible challenge to forgive. It is over the top and outrageous and hard for us to wrap our heads around, but I am so thankful that you provide this option for us, this choice. God, I've been doing this church thing for a long time, and I know 
that in the room today there are people that this talk just seems so crazy. They have been so hurt, and they're carrying it. And they're in contexts where they're meeting with the people that have hurt them, perhaps because of a marriage situation and children, or perhaps because of employment, or in the family, or whatever the case might be. And this seems so hard. But wow. Jesus, what you did on the cross for us. Father, forgive them. When they had abused you, denied you, murdered you. I'm so glad we have a God who's a forgiver. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for us. That we, as followers, those of us who are followers of Jesus, would reflect that same giving, forgiving attitude in all that we do. Thank you for the freedom it gives us. Thank you for the joy we can know when we embrace it as hard as it is. And I pray that you would bless this time and this teaching. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.